The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, everyone, welcome on to our first ever post-draft. Hollinger and Duncan, thanks for joining us on Twitch as well. I see a lot of questions piling up here already. And of course, if you are listening to the pod, we really, really hope that this entire thing isn't out of date by, by the time you listen to it. This is a... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, things things are moving quick. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was so funny looking at the league calendar, that spreadsheet that they circulated when basically they mapped the dates and what was usually... 10 days all corresponds to november 19th right <laughs> like yeah was, exactly i was like oh yeah this really is pretty compressed here um so where i wanted to start actually is uh, we'll get to clay thompson obviously we need to talk more about a hardened trade the, our thoughts on the draft everything else that's uh, evolving here as we speak probably there'll be some news that drops that we'll have to talk about here i'm sure you'll let us know about that in the chat but i want to start with something i haven't had a chance to talk about that much yet and that is the Bogdan Bogdanovich situation reports emerging yesterday yeah. that no, in fact, he never agreed to go to Milwaukee yeah. and he will enter restricted free agency in the wake of something that was pretty much unprecedented where a not only a free agent signing leaked, but a sign and trade free agent signing leaked. You were like agog that this amount of tampering could actually get out and get agreed to this including the specifics of a trade so take it away here what was your reaction to this news that uh Bogdan hasn't actually agreed and this is all in jeopardy now yeah uh I think everyone is a little suspicious that uh that maybe they're walking this back because they realize that uh they, they were going to be subject to some uh discipline from the league uh depending on how this played out so you know last year the league really cracked down on what had been going on before, which was essentially teams were agreeing to free agent deals before the actual start of free agents. Um, of course, I never did this in Memphis, Nate. I only heard stories of other teams doing this. Um, but no, more seriously, I mean, it was just it was it was part of what you did. Like it, it was just and well, and, and you'd be a you, fool you, not to, frankly. And it, and I mean, for me, yeah, it doesn't even hurt anything. But last one dance, basically, like everyone would be gone if you waited to July. 
buy first and started making calls. So you, you had to you had to play the game that way. I mean, there are agents I know of who basically try to have all their business done by July 1st, you know, in the, in, a, in a typical year when July 1st free agency starts. So it's uh, you, you, you can't just say, oh, well, we'll, you know, we'll wait until the legal deadline. Like you'll get your ass kicked. If yeah, you do that. but that so, was one of the criticisms of Mitch Kupchak in his later Lakers years. And that's how you end up with, oh, I guess the only people left are Timofey Mozgov for 64 million and Lou Alzehank for 72 million. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although I think I think Kupchak was gone when. No, no, he was he was um, still there. The, that was that there? was the yeah. and then the coup happened uh, as it became clear that Mozgov and Lou Aldang did not, in fact, put them on the road to returning to a, being a championship organization. I think it was uh, like January of 2017. But anyway, that's okay. that's an aside. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I don't know. So 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 that's how things used to happen. Then the league cracked down. You were saying? Yeah, exactly. And then it looks like some teams went ahead and and or some teams and agents went ahead and did things the old way this year anyway. And I think that probably would have been fine, except it got leaked and and reported. Right? That's where the real problem came through. Um, there was a sort of gentleman's agreement that nobody would report would uh, leak any of this stuff until the to the media yeah. until you know some properly uh, respectful amount of time was reserved was had passed after the start of free agency. Yeah, and and, and to elaborate on that point, 2019 was the first time we really saw that violated. Right? You had Kemba Walker pretty much out there. You know, Al Horford has a deal. We don't know who it is. There was that yeah, stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, even before things were supposed to drop at, what was it, 6 Eastern was the new time. You know, half of the signings yeah. had already leaked before that. And so, um, you know, that that was that was sort of the events that precipitated this. And then they did this crackdown where it's like they're, they can now look at your text messages and your emails, basically. Although for calls, there's still all they know is that you called the person if, as long as nobody tells they're exactly. not going to know yeah unless they have you unless they can have unless you're dumb enough to call the player directly i mean usually this all happens with with the agents so there's plausible deniability that you're talking to the agent um if you're if you're dumb enough to have conversation directly with the player before the flag goes up then then god help you yes you you definitely deserve to get punished but I, you know and then the league kind of sent out a nasty gram to everyone uh, after all this happened and as you said uh that that they were going to crack down much more on this. And this is really our first off-season cycle now. And it's a different off-season cycle because we've had so much sort of airtime leading up to it that there's been a lot of, like, free agents have been going on for the last month. Uh, <laughs> you know, is the, the poorly kept secret. And it, because there really, there wasn't, you know, the play, usually the playoffs end, you go right into the draft and then you kind of get into a lot of the free agency stuff. And that that wasn't the cycle this year. So that, that got thrown off. And then they, they weren't able to keep this sign and trade under wraps so yeah i think y you don't know if they got a, a quiet nudge from the league to like say hey you're you're not actually doing a deal for bogdanovich by the way <laughs> like neither of you like just forget it um or or if they decided on their own that they, they were putting themselves in too much jeopardy or what happened well yeah i mean it, there's a, a lot to get here i still want to talk too about just how it is that like the quote-unquote tampering actually happens how this leaks out whether it matters whether the league should should care uh that much I mean, those are all uh, issues for me but what's your gut feeling is this dead is this completely dead it's just not going to happen now are they waiting is there is some of you suggested like your colleague Ch chad ford that you pod with sometimes that this is all being swept under the rug and that there might even be penalties coming here and everyone is missing that aspect of it uh it I, there 
there could be penalties coming. It's possible. Yeah. Um, although, uh, you know, you haven't really heard anything about the league going to an investigation or anything, which would kind of be the next step. Um, and then this isn't the only case where this is happening. I mean, I've definitely heard about other free agent negotiations that are going on, let's say. Um, and if if I've heard about them, like I know people who are more plugged in than me are hearing about more of them. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, it's it's something that the league has really had a tough time putting a lid on. And there are some people who argue that as long as the season has ended, what's the big deal? That yeah, essentially put, put me in that but, boat. You know, Tampa, like doing anything in season is beyond the pale, I think, to everyone, right? Like that is clearly anyone who does that should be punished to the full extent allowable. After the season, eh, you know, you, you can kind of say, okay, we can give a little more leeway. Now, I can understand the there's the argument that rules are there for a reason and you need to make a fair playing field for everyone and everyone knows what the starting gate where the starting gate is and what the penalties are um so i i get that perspective but i do wonder if the league is going to have to make some concessions to the reality of how these markets work uh in terms of in terms of what what they decide to allow going forward in in terms of free agency discussions you know i i mean again I, the one argument i can come up with with why it shouldn't just i guess there's two arguments i can come up with of why it shouldn't just be the end of the season is number one the league just wants it all to happen on july 1st or your pandemic equivalent Mm -hmm. and it just they want all the news to happen they want to own that cycle they want people to look ahead to it they don't want to distract from the playoffs and the draft as those are going i think yeah i think it's more that they don't want to distract from the, the those main events right they want the playoffs to be about the playoffs and not about free agency. And they want the draft to be about the draft and not about free agency. I, th- I think that's the real issue. So, uh, and then the other argument I can come up with too is just that the envelope is always going to be pushed and the enforcement is never going to be perfect. But you have to kind of draw the line in the sand at July 1st because if the line in the sand is after you know, April 15th or whatever, after a team season is over, yeah, then line- people will start pushing yeah. beyond that line. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. uh, and I mean, I think people are like, Oh, this whole thing is so ridiculous, tampering, blah, blah, who cares? And I feel that way in general, but then as you really look down the road of what the potential consequences could be, they just, uh, they have to sort of establish this uneasy detente of, all right, you can do it, but don't be too obvious and don't do it too soon and don't let it get out in the media. And we know we can't enforce this 100%, but at least there's a bound on it because we've got this, uh, you know, some enforcement mechanisms in place. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like the NCAA where they have rules to put teams on probation, but they probably won't put Kentucky on probation. But they're just (laughs) there as kind of a a fence post, right? Like, (laughs) you keep keep some... Some kind of keep keep some kind of boundaries on what's happening. Yeah, I mean, like any system, if it behooves people to break the rules, they will. But there's you know there's a tragedy of the commons aspect where if everyone starts doing it too much, then the overall product 
gets hurt and so you just have to kind of do the best uh, that you can um and we'll get back to the bogdanovich specific and buck situation specifically in a second but um so i mean when you think about how these conversations happen is are they always made in a way with plausible deniability where you you know i, I won't say you obviously but an executive calls up a, an agent or vice versa and is like hey you know what uh we can really use a shooting guard and we've got our mid-level exception we might even be willing to go three years on that uh you know do you have a client that might be interested in that without actually like saying the guy's name even though you know everyone knows who it is like is that kind of how it works it's i mean you can be a little more direct than that i mean you kind of you kind of talk to the guy and say you know what is this you know who are the players you have in free agency what are they looking for right and then yeah then you kind of say yeah, we would probably want to set up a meeting with him on July 1st, but maybe this other guy, not so much. Yeah, yeah. Because realistically, a- like, you're you're allowed to meet beginning on, it's, it's 6 p.m. tomorrow in this case, but, yeah. like, those meetings don't just happen out of the blue, right? Like, I, I always thought it was so funny that, that um, you know, they said... It used to be it used to be midnight that you could start you could start having conversations and negotiations. And it was like, oh, wow, how funny that we all ended up in Los Angeles at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, uh, you know, it's just you you have to set up those meetings ahead of time and you have to know somewhat what the market is in order to set those meetings up. Yeah, no. And and I think like again there has to be that or nothing would happen on july 1st it wouldn't be interesting i mean back yeah. you know these rules came in back in the 90s when these signings would trickle in over like a three-day period and the uh you know it was like a month to match a restricted free agent contract and you know i mean when it was just the timeline was yeah. so much shorter we weren't in the same type of an era you'd have to just call people on the phone and then we'll meet in person and things would take days to get done like our society just moves faster yeah totally at this point so let's say you got a gross substance on your arm how would you try to clean it off would you just take a piece of toilet paper and wipe it no you probably wouldn't because you wouldn't actually be clean you would require some water to actually get that clean and i'm here to tell you quite frankly that if you're just wiping with toilet paper after you poop your butt is not clean but that is why hello tushy is here to democratize the bidet and offer clean butts to everyone it's just 79 dollars. it cleans your butt with a precise stream of fresh water it attaches to your existing toilet you don't need electricity you don't need additional plumbing and it also cuts toilet paper used by 80 percent you can just take a couple of sheets and pat it dry no uncomfortable chafing the hello tushy bidet is just a fantastic piece of equipment each one comes with a 60-day risk-free guarantee if you're someone who's never tried this before as i once was i can assure you the bidet is a far superior solution and the hello tushy bidet comes with a 12-month warranty go to hellotushy.com pr easy to remember slash pr and it'll get you 10 percent off a special offer for our listeners go to hello tushy.com slash pr for 10 percent off that's hello tushy.com slash pr what's up sports fans matt peck here host of locked on bulls and i want to talk to you really quickly about another excellent podcast huge fan is a new serious xm original podcast where stars talk sports each week join host lachina robinson as she chats with your favorite celebs about childhood sports memories game day rituals the most heated rivalries and more 
And this new season features huge names like Anthony Ramos from In the Heights and Hamilton, Pat Carney from the Black Keys, Mel C, that's right, a.k.a. Sporty Spice from the Spice Girls, and even actress Michelle Williams talking about her love for our very own Chicago Bulls. Huge Fan is a fresh way to connect with your favorite artists, actors, and personalities about something we all understand, fandom. Huge Fan is now out on Pandora, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. Getting back to the Bucks here, is is there, uh, I mean, it seems like a lot of water is being pulled in this reporting by the reporters. You know, I think this is, that's something that happens. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there's no way that, like, if you're Woj or Shams, we'll just say Woj because, you know, you work with Shams, but okay. uh, that, like, they're not aware of what's going on here and at at a minimum they are not reporting everything they know to say oh no uh bogdanovich never actually agreed to this deal and okay maybe that's technically true right but you have to know that there's something else going on here like i mean unless they really did it without his knowledge which seems completely insane to me and there's no way that happened right there's no there's no chance that happened yeah um so i mean usually usually the agents are the main conduit for this information so, you know, they'd be they'd be talking to them about whether a deal happened. Um, they'd be probably talking to a front office to confirm some stuff. Um, but the, the agents are usually kind of the first line. And, and I'm very interested to see at this point whether <clears throat> whether this is everyone realizing, oh, shit, the league might get mad at us. Let's back this out and then try it again. Whether it's the league saying, hey, guys. How about you just back this out and make sure it's not actually done until after the date? Or whether Mm -hmm. it's the league saying, hell no, you can't do this. Find somewhere else. Or whether it's the league saying, hell no, you can't do this. Oh, and by the way, we're going to fine you or take away draft picks. Like there's kind of four gradations of this that it could be based on the reporting right now. Any of those you think is more or less likely? I'll choose door number three. Uh, I'll say I'll say the league the league will probably say we can't technically prove this to the extent that we can fine you or, or penalize you draft picks, but we have enough circumstantial evidence that we're not going to allow the transaction. The, yeah, that, yeah, that's, that the, just, that's the outcome I think is most likely. Yeah, like I wouldn't I wouldn't try and do this deal now because we're going to avoid it basically. Because like if I so like if I was one of the other teams that's competing against Milwaukee in the East, like one of the things I would have done when that came out is sent a WTF email to the league office and been like, like, are you going to do anything about this? Like, what the hell? Uh, so I, I think there's that political aspect of it too. Like they got it. The, the other teams are going to be upset about this. Well, and what like Windhorse has pointed this out that, okay, Sacramento is complicit here, right? This is a little bit different in terms of tampering than usual because Sacramento had to be involved here, right? Like normally Sacramento yeah. would be the one in theory who is complaining about this and filing yeah. a tampering charge. Right. Uh, but obviously Sacramento is not going to do that. They like this deal. It, it, it yeah. seems like. But if I'm at like if I'm Atlanta, I complain to the league and say I never got a chance to bid on this player because he was taken off the free agent market three days before free agency started. Yeah. Now does that do you really have standing 
to do that maybe you don't maybe that's I, why the league is just gonna say all right you know commissioner's powers mm-hmm. we're gonna void this but yeah you know there's no one really to penalize necessarily because there's no one who can prove that there was an injury almost you know but that's so it, yeah i mean i it sounds for to me like you're thinking this is just going to be done and they're just gonna have to find something else yeah that's that i still think that's the most likely outcome so that uh that welcome back dante dj and urson party is going to be a little awkward in milwaukee but well i think we're gonna know today because well i guess yeah, i guess we'll know tomorrow two days after the draft Ilyasova yeah they, is, uh, they, they would have to, to waive Ilyasova they could still could put a sign and trade back together by sign and trading one of their own other free agents instead of Ilyasova but Ilyasova was definitely the most convenient piece to put in that deal yeah and, and I mean so if we find out that he isn't guaranteed tomorrow then I think we'll really know that yeah. we could be totally dead um yeah and the other aggrieved party here, I think, is Robin Lopez, who I'm I'm pretty sure opted out of five million because he didn't want to go to Sacramento, <laughs> and and now it turns out he wouldn't have been going there. So yeah, well, he can always resign. Um, now and, yeah. and so that brings me to my next question: of just what the hell are the Bucks going to do now? I mean, they 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 were going to be hard capped, and that was going to yeah. be pretty difficult for them. Yeah, they would have. I mean, they basically had five guys, a killer starting lineup. Yeah, but uh, they were going to have you know the two second round. Pick- that they drafted you know Jordan Nawara was looking like their sixth man and they had four more slots to fill they did a little bit of work by getting two guys I'm sure will be making the rookie minimum and the variance against the apron would help they got killed by these four million dollars of incentives unlikely incentives that holiday has yeah exactly yeah um and so i mean maybe you could argue that if this doesn't go through and they might they probably yeah they could still use the full mid-level um yeah and they'd have a little more depth i mean maybe you have an argument that they could be better off um or they could just use the taxpayer mid-level and then not be subject to the hard cap all year although i don't know how much more they're willing to spend above the hard cap anyway exactly yeah i mean i think it does open them up to use their full mid-level they keep DiVincenzo which like he's a a good player he doesn't totally fit the other pieces they have but he's good like I would want to keep him coming off the bench and then they keep their powder dry for doing something in season if they want uh so not not the worst of things um gonna be hard to find somebody who's quite as dynamic offensively with their mid-level you're probably looking more at like I don't know like a Justin Holiday type or something who maybe can space the floor but isn't going to be uh much of a playmaker for him but uh you know when you add in that you can keep DiVincenzo, you can keep some options open for other deals and have a little bit deeper team. Not not sure it's the worst thing in the world for Milwaukee. Yeah, now they're not exactly a wash in assets, but if they do sign some other guys, you could always make a trade later um, with DiVincenzo and some of these other guys for someone under contract. If you're willing to give up DiVincenzo, you maybe don't get someone quite as good as Bogdanovich, but you get someone who's, you could maybe get someone kind of of that ilk. I mean, what about like the guy I've always compared Bogdanovich to is Evan Fournier. Do you think the Magic would do Evan Fournier for DiVincenzo and some of this other flotsam salary? Oh, yeah, maybe I think they, they would. would right? yeah, are you kidding me? They'd call that shit into the league office before we could even finish this podcast. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I, I mean, honestly, Fournier's only got one year too. So if you're, I mean, like if yeah. you're Milwaukee, you almost want to extend him before you do a deal like that. But. um 
Yeah, I I, I, th- I think so. I mean, DiVincenzo to me is like equivalent an asset to a mid first round pick, right? So I, I do I do think that is the asset that they use in a trade and then add salary on top of it. Now, the issue with Fournier, though, is he makes 17 and that's just a tough number uh, for them to get to. Yeah, well, I, you're talking about in terms of matching salary. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it would I, it would have to be later, right? With some of these yeah. free agents that they and, that they and they'd sign. Have, and they'd have to pay actual luxury tax too. Oh, yeah, that's a problem. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, the, their biggest need is someone who can both shoot and handle the ball. I loved Bogdanovich's yeah. fit there. And in just free agency for the mid-level, I'm not sure that's there. So I think they're probably better off if this doesn't go through, use the mid-level on, you know, some more three and D guys. And you can try and bring back Wes Matthews or low. I mean, they need a backup center still. They, I mean, they need a lot of stuff here. I mean, they've, they've yeah. lost under some underrated contributors like Marvin Williams yeah. and Wes Matthews. I mean, those are big pieces. Built Bar is back, and I highly recommend them because they are making protein bars that don't taste like the inside of a sawmill. They've got 18 amazing flavors. The six new ones, Caramel Brownie, Cookies and Cream, Trey Bar, Sia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, Apple Almond Crisp. You've got the originals, Double Chocolate, Peanut Butter Brownie, Raspberry, German Chocolate, and Peanut Butter. Lots for you chocolate and peanut butter lovers. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. If you're on a keto diet, these stats are great for you. You know we love stats. That's here. Peanut butter flavor bar has 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. Plus, you can get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on, the name of this network, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. Uh- David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21 grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's killer bread i don't know about you guys but when i eat pizza i eat it for the toppings not the crust and when i eat a sandwich it's for what's inside the bread not for the bread but when i throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds thin sliced bread from dave's killer bread it is the epitome of addition by subtraction that thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste killer texture killer nutrition a subtle sweetness and a seed coated crust dave's killer bread is america's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store um all right that's probably enough uh bucks here let's uh let's see if we got any interesting questions um yeah something sharp says i think the bucks are better off not being hard capped and being able to have a real bench i agree with you something sharp in the regular season i do not agree with you in the playoffs that's the thing i mean they they set themselves up to have the best possible five-man unit in a playoff game um and you can get a little too cute with that because stuff happens in the season that you don't expect whether it's injuries or guys being ineffective or whatnot but that 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 this was a move made to convert regular season bucks awesomeness into postseason bucks awesomeness so i i think that was the real point now the one thing that even if they brought in bogdanovich that they wouldn't have really accomplished was getting more versatile defensively um part of that is coaching part of that is scheme but also part of it is having another option other than brooke lopez as your center at the end of games that was part of why they really struggled yeah, yeah. so i think even if they had gotten bug damage they needed one more perimeter player to give them the option of playing Giannis at five at the end of playoff games 
Um, let's see here. What else we got? Uh, we had more. somebody in there just scrolled away, so I didn't see your name. So, oh no, Bic- Bicrant50. How is this similar to the Joe Smith, Minnesota scenario? That that one is completely different. They First of all, they were dumb enough to sign something. Um, and second of all, it was, it was a different, it wasn't tampering. It was blatant cap circumvention where they basically agreed to a deal that would pay Joe Smith a minimum until he got his bird rights and then sign a huge contract after that which um at, at the time there there were different shenanigans you could do with the cap which they've sort of cleaned up a little um and so that that was a completely different situation uh than this much more blatant in terms of the cap circumvention uh and so that's why the t-wolves were penalized so harshly for that yeah if you agree to if you have a contractual arrangement that is not actually reduced to a uniform player contract the penalties for that are massive i mean because that's yeah. that's just and you know there have been allegations about like miami doing some stuff like that right like the yeah. fact that udonis haslam is still has a lifetime minimum contract mm-hmm. with the miami heat after he opted out to give them more space and what was that probably 2014 uh, i yeah. think yeah um you know miami is famous for doing that the anthony carter mistake opt out by the yeah Asians. that 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 one was that one was ridiculous that one was fishy as hell and that was basically how they ended up it's how they ended up getting lamar odom which is how they ended up getting shaquille o'neal so yeah, yeah that that was a big one yeah miami uh the the uh benno udry waiver probably with like two or three years ago i think they they like either got out of the tax or save a bunch of tax there i mean miami is definitely famous for that yeah. kind of stuff but they've never gotten yeah. caught yeah exactly exactly um and uh, there's probably many others that haven't gotten caught either but because like this is hilarious too like well glenn taylor was like thinking of selling the team or something back back then how many times <laughs> has he tried to sell the team like that's why joe smith ended up uh they ended up reducing it to writing because he was worried that if the team got sold that the new ownership wouldn't honor the agreement <laughs> oh ilyasova is waived people are saying the trade wow. must really be off wow all right okay update your spreadsheets people all right let's see that would be yep shams Tarania, milwaukee is waving for it ursine ilyasova all right all right crazy stuff here yeah uh okay let's uh let's talk about the clay thompson injury now i mean yeah yet again just uh, you know feast or famine for the warriors right like god Mm -hmm. god giveth and god taketh away yeah uh, i mean the about it's just absolutely incredible how far they've fallen and it looked like maybe it was a good thing that steph curry got hurt and then they got james wiseman i also think they screwed up by taking james wiseman instead of Lamelo ball particularly if (laughs) i mean they might kind of be rebuilding now people uh yeah with with clay gone and they knew that at the time although i mean like people have said uh you don't change your board based on that i mean i think they just had wiseman higher anyway it wasn't a fit thing i just don't agree with them on that Mm -hmm. so i mean what the hell do the warriors do now I think you have to trade Clay Thompson. I think you have to try to have Clay be the matching contract and throw these other assets in uh, for a guy like, you know, can you get James Harden or can you get, uh, you know, can you get Bradley Beal? Like, is is that enough with the, I mean, Clay, you have to adjust your priors and say Clay is now probably the worst contract in the league or right down there. Uh, he's got four years left. He makes $43 million in 2024, coming off an ACL and an Achilles, and he's in his 30s. So that's there's negative value there now, but can you 
turn that contract with Wiseman, with the Minnesota pick, with maybe some other smaller things you can throw in there. Can you turn that into another star player that you can play with Steph and Draymond? Or you just give up. Or do you go the other direction and turn around and say, okay, Steph's got two years on his deal. Yeah, We haven't talked about this. I mean, yeah, I, I th- shit, it was Steph's my got two thought. years left on his deal, it man. Like it's <laughs> starting to get to that time, you know? I mean, I mean, for the man who wrote that James Harden, uh, you know, you were the first person writing that Harden might yeah. be out in Houston, yeah. uh, as you've retweeted on occasion since then, by the way. I, I <laughs> Maybe uh, once or twice. <laughs> So now, you know, Steph is a little bit different. I mean, he is, uh, I think, much more of a brand here. He's got more uh, roots. He's got uh, more family than Harden. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really, I mean, I think it really is up to him, you know, because they're not going to win a championship in all likelihood. Now they're not going to be championship contenders for the rest of his time in Golden State. I mean, unless James Wyden turns into Joel Embiid and yeah. then they get some amazing guy next year. But even then, those guys probably aren't on Steph's timeline. I mean, he's already wasted a year of his prime he's 32 you know this is probably the last year he plausibly could be a top five player in the nba we'll see what he looks like Mm -hmm. um you know is he content to just kind of play things out like Dirk Nowitzki did and Tim Duncan did, although the Spurs were contenders throughout Duncan's whole career. Yeah. uh, Or does he want to go back to Charlotte? I was going to say, if if I'm Charlotte, I'm keeping my cap clean. Let me put it that way. Yeah, well, they're they're not going to have much trouble with that um so or i I mean if i mean i think if steph just wants to stay and retire as a warrior and he's cool with just you know putting up a bunch of numbers for the rest and building his hall of fame resume that way making some Mm -hmm. more all-star and all nba teams but not competing then that's okay but i think you have to have a conversation with him of where you are right now and if he says hey you know what i might want to leave you need to get out ahead of that shit i think if you're golden state at age 32 and like you know i mean steph curry to me would still Still get a better j- trade package than James Harden. He should. Yeah, yeah. But I agree you know, with that. You, you want to do that now until you know instead of after this year when he only has one year left on his deal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You so can trade Steph, Steph Curry for Lamelo Ball, Nate. Right. So sorry, sorry. You were saying you can trade Steph Curry for Lamelo Ball. <laughs> Yeah, I know that the uh, that occurred to me as well as we were talking about Charlotte. It's pretty funny. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I I I mean in terms of this year, I think they'll probably try and compete. Bob Myers said they can use the trade exception. Something like a future protected first for JJ Redick is something I'd be exploring very seriously now. They mm-hmm. just have they have to get some more shooting. You know, I like Michael Mulder, but I am starting at the two is probably not something I'm too excited about. They have especially if it's going to be Wiseman and Draymond in the front court. They got to yeah. get more shooting. Now. I think Fournier is a guy here, too. Yeah, would he fit into the trade exception? I think he just squeezes in there, doesn't he? Do I have that wrong? It's 17-185. I thought, I thought, did he make 17 on the dot or is he 17 and a half? Uh, I have him. Fournier, 17-150. Oh, baby. Yeah, and I think he would would be a pretty good fit there. Now, you know, probably Kevon Looney has to go back in that deal. They could save enough scratch that way. Fournier Fournier could keep him competitive. They could probably be a mid-tier playoff team in the West, maybe. I mean, Clay was just so important to what they did, though, on both ends. I I think if you're, you probably just have to go all in on offense on the perimeter and then just hope that, like, you know, play a different system and just hope that Draymond and Wise can be your defense and you know Wiseman's not ready for that he's gonna suck this year 
year maybe get yeah. another veteran center in there as well and just you know kind of go and they still have wiggins who can score a little bit maybe he could be a number two option but i'm it's it's all so depressing i mean i was so looking <laughs> forward to seeing those guys again this year yeah yeah it's re- really unfortunate and it i mean it's a i mean i it is potentially a game changer for the direction of the franchise um the other big trade asset uh nate that you didn't mention was uh smilagich should we move on to another topic okay let's move on to another. Uh, well let's take some questions um i saw someone in here giving me shit for retweeting myself about the dynasty being over which i tweeted during the 2019 finals uh and you know that wasn't a victory lap it was more about yeah we're gonna look back on that historically as like when this dynasty really did die like it was just i mean for it to be this team that was this incredible unbeatable monolith and Mm -hmm. then to just never be heard from again after two ridiculous nights of durant tearing his achilles and then play with the acl and they're basically just never going to be contenders again almost certainly now Mm -hmm. yeah Exactly. It's 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 pretty wild. I mean, even because even with their injuries, I mean, that was a pretty competitive series against Toronto. And I just it's so hard to see them ever getting back to that, especially I mean, people forget that they had Stefan Draymond at the beginning of last season and they still look like absolute shit. Yeah, I mean, Draymond could just be done too. That's the, that's, I mean, you could have between Andrew Wiggins, Clay Thompson, who's not going to play, and Draymond just starting a four year extension at over 20 million a year, or basically right at 20 million a year. I mean, that's three of the worst contracts in the league on this team. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, uh, they're they're in a they're in a really tight spot here, and they're and they're out future picks. I mean, that's this is the cycle, though. I mean, this is what happens, right? You have to put you have to put more assets in play in order to keep it going. You have to pay the players more money, uh, and so it's it's why it's hard to stay on top in this league. Yeah, I mean, I, I expect that they're gonna try to make themselves as competitive as they can be this year. And you know, Joe Lacob has come up with this. It spent thirty million dollars to figure out testing procedures for Chase Center and they have yeah they need to uh, you know the curse of chase center i mean that's gonna be a a a real thing i think they want to at least like get a real team on the floor in there but um now the same group that brought us the world's fastest growing protein bar built bar has created built go it is the best workout gel on the market easy to take it in 1.5 ounce packages put it in your briefcase your golf bag or your pocket it's like five hour energy but without the same crash feeling and it's natural so it's better for the body it's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results there's three delicious flavors peanut butter honey chocolate coconut and chocolate mint that's my favorite built go combines energy gel with collagen protein fast absorbing so it gets into the system fast and it's easy on the stomach they've got beta alanine b3 honey and that kick of caffeine but not too much so you're not too jittery the way to get started with them visit builtgo.com and use the promo code locked and you'll get 20% off your first order that's promo code locked for 20% off at builtgo.com let's go so let's talk about uh james harden (laughs) yeah crazy uh situation here and in the rockets and what did you make of the rockets moves yesterday first of all i haven't read your piece yet so this is new to me yeah i mean they paid $5 million to get a 2021 second round 
pick from the Lakers and then converted into the 52nd pick last night and draft Kenyon Martin Jr., who probably was going to go undrafted anyway. So I, oh, I don't oh, know what please, they were doing please. there. We cannot, we cannot repeat that bullshit that that $5 million was to buy a 2021 second. Like that $5 million to pay Trevor Ariza's salary and get back uh, to the Pistons and facilitate their salary dump and get back like something that they could say they purchased a pick and look like they spent money. Okay. That's what I think, yeah. at least. You disagree? Uh, I Yeah, you know, those were reported as separate transactions, but yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> well, and, and, well, and look at the way it came out, too. Yeah. Can you ever yeah. remember a before the draft it getting leaked to Woj the specific dollar amount before the draft when everyone's paying attention the specific dollar amount that was paid to purchase a pick in the 50s a year from now it's obviously just yeah. pr bullshit yeah yeah <laughs> um so anyway but you know they dumped trevor ariza but and they're like Woj also i mean Woj was carrying a lot of water for them last night i, I thought uh and you know, i didn't watch how he breaks every story but i didn't watch the broadcast so I, it was hard for well me no to... i'm just talking about like his tweets he was like oh you know this opens up the mle this move of ariza for this team that's hard capped and yeah they, they they already they already had the mle they just don't want to pay luxury tax i mean that's the... well well and they're still not they still don't have room to use the mle because they're not going into the tax we know that yeah and they got six players on their roster and they got 19 million below the tax so they're not they're yeah. not spending the full 9.2 million dollar mle unless uh they find a way to dump eric gordon too yeah they, they might not spend any of the mle <laughs> right i <laughs> mean might. maybe three four million on uh, on one player <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting, though, to see what happens here. I mean, Westbrook, I think, is gone, too, um, either way. Uh, I think, uh, you know, the the John Wall stuff is pretty interesting because they have about the same salary. Uh, I I do think there's an argument that it might make Beal more interested in, in staying because I think Westbrook is probably, you know, he's on the downslope too, but I think he's a little more viable than Wall is right now. Um, so I'm really interested to see what happens there. But then Harden, I mean, it's it's a, it's over there, right? Like it's they they tore down the entire edifice surrounding him, and now it's just Harden, and like he he's not going to want to stick around for that, and or if he does, and if they if they keep them hostage, basically, like what effort are they really going to get out of them? So I think that's the move for Houston to get as much as they can for him. I mean, the Drew Holiday deal really set a good price for them, I think, as far as the absolute floor, when you're talking about multiple unprotected picks in the out years. So uh, that they have some really interesting conversations. There's a lot of talk about Brooklyn. I don't know if Brooklyn can put enough on the table, though, when you compare it to what like, like Golden State can make the best offer out of anyone by far, because they have legit high draft picks that are guaranteed like you're guaranteed to have the second pick in this year's draft as opposed to a future pick which could be oh maybe it's first but maybe it's 27th right you're you're feeling pretty good about having minnesota's first next year um which is which is very lightly protected uh so you know you're getting some stuff that is pretty high value uh and it just comes down to a question of what are the what are the contracts uh you know is it clay is it wiggins and then what what other stuff needs to be thrown in in terms of future picks? But I think at a base level, Golden State can put it together a package as good as anyone's. Oh, man. I mean, can you imagine the aneurysms in the Warriors fan base if they acquire James Harden and trade Clay Thompson to do it? <laughs> 
Not that it would be a bad move. It would be. I mean, there, it would be the the only thing I could imagine worse is if the Lakers had gotten LeBron James by doing a sign and trade with Kobe. <laughs> I mean that. that uh, well, that, that's like, like the like, only level. That's like the only level beyond that, right? <laughs> yeah. Or, or I mean, that's wow. That would be completely insane. But yeah, I mean, they think they do have a better package than Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. I. I definitely think that that's the case yeah. um you know brooklyn you're building your package around karis lavert and i'm not sure how how interested anyone is uh in him compared you know especially because he's 26 like wiseman is 19 and yeah yeah so i mean who knows who the hell is running things in houston right now and, and evaluating things but um yeah there are some I, questions yeah. there let's just say <laughs> what why are we just saying that why don't we say more <laughs> <laughs> Because um, we, uh, you know, we it's 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 their first run through, right? So we need, you know, we, but, uh, I, there, there needs I, to be a body a of work more. first before you before you really, you know. I, anyway. I'll say a little more. There's some. I think there's a, some Houston Chronicle reporting, uh, slight like semi hagiography of a certain son of a certain owner who is uh, really learning the business and really getting more involved with things. <laughs> oh, those are always fun. A yeah. certain owner of a mm-hmm. certain team mm-hmm. in a certain southwestern town. Sorry. Right. 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 <laughs> That's uh, nobody's even going to get that. Uh <laughs> Uh, okay, so I mean, it's it's said that he wants to go to Brooklyn. He's been having all these conversations with his guy KD. Supposedly, KD and Kyrie are on board. Ian Begley reported that other Nets players are not on board because they know they're getting traded for James Harden. Of course, they're not yeah. on board. Well, and, and those other players don't matter, frankly. Yeah, K- KD yeah. and Kyrie. Oh, Jer- are Jared running. Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Karis LeVert are not on board. Gee, I wonder why. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I'm Dinwiddie, I would actually want to get traded because the he's just not going to get paid in brooklyn like they just can't afford him like he needs to go somewhere and start this year and get paid 20 million dollars a year but and i there there is some stuff that that could happen with him with or without a bigger deal uh so that wouldn't shock me um but i mean gut feel what happens with hard right now he ends up in brooklyn i mean there's all generally these guys get what they want right like who's the last one of these guys who didn't get what they wanted in the end well it's it's hard though with a trade situation like this i mean Kawhi got what he wanted in the end but he got traded to toronto first right um so i i do think when there's two years left on your deal you have a lower degree of control where it is more plausible for the team to say that look that's great that you want brooklyn but we can't send you there but what we can do is send you to this other place where your team's still going to be really good and you get to play with these people and if that's good enough then we'll send you there and if not you'll stay here so yeah, it, I, but I, I think especially given the moves that they've made now to clearly become less competitive again this year the inability to trade russell westbrook for anything it just there isn't an end game like they're they're losing all of their internal leverage at this point and yeah they've been out in the media saying they're willing to quote unquote get uncomfortable with westbrook and harden westbrook you kind of have to because you just you can't trade him for positive value unless yeah. it's for john wall or i mean that would be another hilarious one right like russell westbrook for clay thompson 
Yeah. <laughs> but like, I mean, there, there are, you know, and, and Clay might be the worst contract in the league now, sadly, although at least his game will age better than Westbrook or Wall, but he has four years instead of three. At least makes a little bit less than those guys. Anyway, um, I mean, hey. any, do, do you, what about Philly as a possible destination for Harden? Yeah, I mean, there's that chatter out there that it would be basically Ben Simmons for James Harden, which would be an interesting way for the Rockets to go all in, uh, excuse me, for the Sixers to go all in around what they have. But I just think you lose so much on your timeline with that. And the moves they just made were the type of moves you make to optimize a team around Ben Simmons, right? Like Seth Curry is a guy you play next to Ben Simmons and it makes sense. And it doesn't make as much sense next to James Harden because neither of them are going to guard anybody. So I, I, I still think that... The, those what they did yesterday is more indicative uh, to me of a team that's trying to go forward with Ben Simmons than of a team that has like dreams of, of a Harden deal. No, I, I it definitely seems like that way to me too. I, I think though, you know, you kind of will trust Embiid to be the defense, and we're just going to put a lot of shooting around James Harden. I mean, that would that seems like it would work okay too. Um, oh, we got a big deal here. We got a big deal. Wayne Dedman for Tony Snell. Wow, this <laughs> is. <laughs> and Kyrie wow Dennis. this could um, this could change everything well it does yeah. mean that uh, it makes the okongwu move look a little bit better clearly they're gonna re- just rely on him at backup center now so it, it, yeah it does make yeah. sense it, it, uh, t- it tells you that there's no trade coming up that they're ke- they're keeping okongwu and and not doing anything with capella uh you know that that they're gonna have that three-man cohort in the front court this year so that i i think that that's the tell right there and then obviously the hawks could use almost any uh ambulatory uh wing player so tony snell might help them kind of as a ninth tenth man there um let's hit some more questions here and let's uh we can turn to some of the other transactions some of the other draft picks etc we haven't even had a chance to hit on that yet with all this other news so uh let's see any of these sticking out here i I mean we're getting a lot of questions here just about the wolves what they're doing etc um yeah what did you think of their night it was interesting um you know th- there was a lot of movement which i i sort of expected uh edwards at one uh interesting because i thought i i wondered if the if that russell being there already dictated too much of that which i think would be a mistake if that's the case well well so I, uh, and i mean this doesn't shock me in the slightest but uh gavoni was talking today on zach lowe's podcast that he'd heard a lot of rumblings that uh deanzo russell didn't want to play with lonzo ball in 2017 and he didn't want to play with his brother in 2020 and yeah. this is about again about keeping carl Towns, d'angelo russell happy and this is just you know they got d'angelo in theory because of carl towns and i mean this is so they wanted to keep towns happy they get d'angelo now they want to keep d'angelo happy they don't take the guy that i think is the best guy maybe they legitimately yeah. thought that edwards was the best guy but um yeah it definitely seems like emotions and then the rubio trade too emotions are uh playing too I much of a li- role here in, in Minnesota. i actually like the rubio trade yeah um they moved from seven they they got another first to move back eight spots and get Ricky Rubio for free. They turned James Johnson into Ricky Rubio. Um, well, well Ricky actually, Rubio's- no. Ricky Rubio makes seventeen uh, million dollars in uh, twenty one twenty two. So that that that's not yeah. free, <laughs> in my opinion. Oh no, I I think he's worth that. I yeah. I think he's good. He's a top twenty point guard in the league. Yeah, I I I, I think he is. So, uh, so is he, is he going to start for them? You could start Rubio and Russell together. You could. Um, that would be interesting to see them try that. So I mean, then they Edwards is the three. They that's the problem. Well, if Edwards isn't ready to start yet, I guess you could do that. Um, otherwise, you bring one of them. Well, up there's the no bench. chance of that. Yeah. 
They, okay, let me reverse that then. You will finish games with Rubio and Russell as your backcourt, even if you don't start them. Um, yeah, I, I, st- I still think Ricky's a really useful player. And, uh, you know, if the Wolves aren't good this year, I think he'd have some trade value for other teams at the deadline, too. So I think turning dead money into Ricky Rubio is definitely a positive for Minnesota. And then they turn the two picks, uh, you, you know, they turned 17 into two picks, but then they traded 25 and 33 to move up to 23, which I, I wasn't really a big fan of to take a guy who I like. Yeah, the, they ended the up taking Balmyro. Balmyro at 23, right? Which I, I didn't really see him as a first round guy. And then Jaden McDaniels at 28. I didn't think was any good at all last year. So we'll, we'll see how those guys pan out. Well, so Danny and I really struggled with this. I mean, historically, 25 and 28 for 17, like the math of just what those picks have been worth historically, like when you really look at the production shows mm-hmm. that the Wolves won that. When you look at yeah. just generally what it costs to move up, you know, that's probably about right. You know, what it has been historically, just what teams have paid as opposed to maybe what yeah. they should have paid. Hist- so historically, teams have, have overpaid to move up. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, the Nurkic and Harris for McDermott, you know, 16 and 19 for 11 is is your your typical yeah. example there. Yeah. And we so we couldn't figure out, you know, that's probably seemed like about equal value. And so it seemed like James Johnson and Rubio were equal value as well. And I realized that Rubio is the far superior player, to be sure, than James Johnson. But James Johnson's contract expires earlier. And now, you know, the Wolves now can't really can't have cap space in the summer of 2021 anymore they weren't gonna have a ton but they could have had like 15 million and i just i i just don't i mean having been in a market like that i just think you really discount the value of cap space i think sure and so i maintaining the rights to players i think is really uh really much greater priority than any kind of sugar plum cap space dreams i mean the the one time the one time we had cap space we signed like the worst contract ever right and and the other years we didn't have it and we were able to do stuff because we had player contracts that we could put in trades so i guess like if there were just some other player who is useful maybe overpaid by a few million at a different position like a three or a four and they did this deal i would be all about Mm -hmm. it it's just like all right anthony edwards and d'angelo russell and ricky rubio all need the ball oh and by the way you have carl anthony towns your actual best player who needs the ball more than any of them and is probably going to just get forgotten again now uh you know he he needs to be the guy who's really getting the most reps so i just i i didn't see just because of the positional fit and that that was my biggest issue with it i think um and you know who you don't know how good anthony edwards is gonna be i think rubio will help them surely but this idea of like oh we can't draft Lamelo, and now we're gonna bring in ricky rubio instead because we already have you already have a point guard and now you're not gonna play d'angelo little little bit of little little bit of cognitive dissonance well and and then rubio can't shoot so like he's gonna screw up the spacing now for towns and russell like he gives them what they need like got to get better defensively they got to get tougher they got to run more um you know he's a good team defending guard one of the best there they Mm. they're not getting team defense at at the one or the five or probably the four given who they have so it helps them it's just it was just weird to me i i didn't and then you throw in the whole emotional aspect of like oh he really bonded with ryan saunders when uh he was there and Collins loves him and it's just like there's just too much of this seems to be based on stuff other than let's actually win some basketball games no i mean the wolves 
almost lead the league in sentimentality. There's no yeah. question about that. Yeah. Um, okay, let's see. Let's hit some more questions here before we, we talk more draft stuff. I'm sure that some of these questions will take us through some of it anyway. Yeah. Um, I think the Warriors are holding out for the hope of next season. Yeah, I mean, that uh, Costa uh, at, said that. I mean, what do you think? Is there any chance if Clay comes back again that, like, they Just could be good next next season? <laughs> yeah, the problem is that, like, Curry and Green are declining while that's happening so who's on the upswing to offset that i mean you could argue like if if wiseman blows up in his second year i guess and if, yeah or, and or if, wiggins and if, they and think he and if wiggins turns into a basketball player yeah so that i mean those are the scenarios you're you're counting on well and also i mean clay it's very unlikely that he's going to be good i mean now you know he was it, it's always funny like a lot of times these guys oh these guys are iron men and then they get hurt all of a sudden right i mean maybe they get hurt because yeah. they were iron men but now mm-hmm. now he's just a huge injury risk they're gonna have to play him with kid gloves he's not like Mm -hmm. expecting him at 31 to defend the other team's point guard and to you know switch on to guys and their system like he's not particularly defensively he's not gonna be the same guy yeah he'll be tall he'll be able to make some threes he's not gonna be able to go by anybody anymore like and he's also another huge injury risk and he's gonna have all acl in the left knee torn achilles in the right you're gonna have all these imbalances like he's every time he tweaks something he's gonna have to sit out for three weeks because because they're, you know, abundance of caution and it's just like, yeah. And, and so that's even if he is available, which I, you know, just the track record and, and Clay wasn't, you know, he wasn't Kevin Durant. He was a good player. His skill set aged well, but I'm just, I'm very skeptical that he's mm-hmm. going to be able to contribute at a championship level. Yeah, sure. If he, you want to say he'll be a star, solid starting shooting guard or really probably more small forward at this point. Yeah. I I mean, that's the other thing. He, you, you raise a good point. He's going to be a three. I think when he comes back, he's going to be a full-time three. I mean, the way the, uh, uh, the way the league is going. Um, do we know what the hell is going on with the, that Celtics Memphis trade? So I think it's contingent on, uh, Ennis Cantor's, uh, player option. I think, I think that's the deal. Um, uh, the deal is that Cantor, uh, has today to opt into that 5 million. And I think if he opts in, he ends up being in that deal. He it's, it's cause he's counts 4.7 until the new cap year flips. And that fits into the DeLon Wright trade exception by like a dollar and 37 cents or something <laughs> like it just fits in. So uh, I, th- I think Canner's in the deal if he opts in. And if not, I think they negotiated a different deal. And that's why we don't know anything else about it. Yeah, but may, yeah, maybe it's uh, Poirier if it's not. It's Cantor, Poirier or it's seconds coming back from Memphis or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we have no idea what they actually like got in exchange, if anything. Uh, what do you mean? Like, what's going back for Memphis? We still don't know. It's, you, so you think that's just contingent on who's in the deal? Yeah, yeah. I think there's, yeah. I think it's probably like a protected second if they're if they're swallowing Cantor. Or maybe it's just a second. Maybe it's just 30 for a future second and Cantor. I mean, that makes sense too. And maybe there's another second in it if Cantor isn't in it or something. Or it's Poirier instead of Cantor or something. There, there yeah. are a lot of... There are a lot of plausible ways this deal could work, but I think that's the basic rough outline. Yeah, now I, I'm not sure how much Ennis Cantor actually helps Memphis. Maybe that this was just a pure salary dump move. Oh, it's a pure salary dump. Yeah, it's a it's a because um, Memphis already has Gorgie Dang and they just drafted Xavier Tillman and they already have Valanciunas as a starter, so they don't need Cantor at all. Yeah, and, and I mean you'd probably like to play Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson together too. I mean, yeah, they, exactly. They I mean they played both of them at five. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised that Portland wouldn't have just been willing to take Cantor into 
into a trade exception and just make him their backup center if that's what yeah, ends up happening. I wonder if they're going a little smaller this year. I'm trying to remember. Does Portland have an exception where they could do that? Yeah, I think um, I think so, uh, my my guys in the mock off season did it with that. Yeah, I think it was the okay. uh, the Baysmore Ariza. The Baysmore exception. Yeah. They do have the Baysmore exception. You're right. They could have done something like that. Um, so two plausibility. I mean, do they like Hassan Whiteside enough to bring him back? Um, the the other thing I wonder is with that Covington trade, are they playing smaller this year? Are they going to play Covington at four? Like bring back like you know have Gary Trent maybe bring back Rodney Hood. Uh, use Zach Collins more as a third big toggling between four and five and play smaller than they were trying to play last year. I like I think that's a definite possibility. Um, any other like big winners and losers for you out of the draft? We should probably get, get your opinion on that. I, I gave mine on, uh, on dunked on prime last night, but who are your just general thoughts of like big winners and losers from the draft? Yeah. Uh, I really liked what Philadelphia did, even though it wasn't necessarily connected to the draft that much. Um, you know, the 58th pick Paul Reed was my favorite sleeper in the draft. Uh, I, the Richardson for Curry trade. I mean, they gave up uh, a second to turn Richardson into Curry, which isn't great in terms of their actual ability as players, but in terms of creating a team that fits and streamlining their cap situation, it made a lot of sense. Uh, so I thought that was a good deal. And the yeah, Horford for they Danny Green cash deal. cash on that, and Curry is under contract. I, I mean, I think they, maybe they thought that Richardson would be too expensive for them. After exactly. That. Now they have Curry for two extra years at around $8 million, which is probably a fair number for him. So I think they're in a good situation now going forward with their with their with their cap or at least much better. They also got an 8.6 million trade exception from that Danny Green deal, which could let them do other stuff or add another player. I mean, it's worth more than their taxpayer mid-level if you look at it that way. So, uh gives them another option to add another player to this offseason potentially, although there would be a tax hit on that. And Daryl just likes to have room to maneuver. Like when you're starting off and you don't even have a full roster and you're 15 million over the tax, you just you can't do yeah. anything. Yeah, exactly. So he he unshackled them, and now now they can kind of go forward. And and they'll also really find out whether Embiid and Simmons fit together or not. I mean, they're kind of getting back to the beginning that team that they had in seventeen eighteen of just shooting around those two guys. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the formula that that works the best. Uh, they should they should try to get a real backup five still, but I mean that's the easiest position to fill in the free agent market. So I don't think they're going to have trouble. Um, in fact, someone in here was asking uh, before about Nerlens Noel going back there. I think you know that might be a decent pickup for them. Sure. Yeah. I mean, they do need to have a, a credible backup center. I actually think Norville Pell can give them something. I thought he he was. I mean, he's twenty eight, but he was like. Yeah. He he was a good example of the ability to find backup centers on the cheap. And uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I I thought just the teams that passed on Lamelo are going to regret it. That I mean, that's just all based on my evaluation at this point. What about mm-hmm. Halliburton dropping? How about that? I was surprised him and Vassell both. Um... I thought some, you know, the seven, eight, nine, ten. There were some suboptimal picks there. Like Phoenix taking Jalen Smith at ten was wild, right? Yeah. Um, you, you know, you're going to take basically a backup center with a lottery pick uh, when you have Halliburton and Vassell sitting there. I thought that was wild. Um, yeah, I mean, there's. I, I really like Devin Vassell with, too with Phoenix. What's what's yeah. that? I mean, there's three things that were wrong with Phoenix. Number one, just taking a center who's not elite in the lottery. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it, I I wrote great. about this. 
Yeah, I wrote about this today, by the way. Stop drafting centers, people. Like, you can get centers anywhere. Like, there's one thing if they're if you're, like, elite top five talent, you know, all-star, fine. But the, the rest of them, like, j- just stop. Like, stop doing it. Like, th- there's so much more value to be had by getting good wings on rookie contracts. Yeah, no, I I think that's that's definitely true. I mean, if all right, if you believe that this center has superstar upside, sure, go ahead. But and you know, I think there's a credible argument for Wiseman having that. Um, yeah, just due to his physical tools. But yeah, outside of that, no, I'm sorry, I, I don't, I don't think so. Yeah, nine of the top thirty five picks were were centers, and I mean, not like four fives, like like centers. You know, I, I, that just made no sense to me. I loved the fit of Halliburton in New York, and I loved the fit of Halliburton in Phoenix. And I those those to me were the two worst picks of the lottery: uh, New York and Phoenix. Top top, yeah. and I'm also worried about. Yeah, I know you're not a topping guy, and I think he they picked him for the wrong reasons, right? In other words, like he was the guy Leon Rhodes was trying to recruit all year for CAA, and now it's like, oh hey, you, I'm familiar with you. And then they did the same thing with the quickly pick, which was, I mean, he went like 20 spots higher than anyone expected. Uh, and again, it was the Kentucky connection with the Knicks. Yeah. Uh, I actually had mocked Tyrese Maxey uh, to the Knicks with the eighth pick, and they didn't take him there, but I still want credit for that pick because I knew they'd do some Kentucky bullshit and pick somebody way ahead of where he should have gone. <laughs> well, you should have gone, you should have uh, instead uh, spun the wheel and landed on CAA bullshit instead. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, but, but go. the, the well, Knicks I- and the Wolves are the two kind of most connections-based, nepotism-based franchises in the league, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, you're right. That's where they both are right now. Um, although there's a, uh, there's a young executive in the Southwest, Nate. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, uh, Okay, uh, D. Hennessy asks, uh, thoughts on Precious Achua to Miami? Uh, he's all right. Like, I, I he's he was a very old uh, for a freshman, uh, didn't play in a great league. I think he's really good, like, re- rebounding, running the floor at end-to-end, playing with energy, pretty good defender, like, in terms of, like, being able to guard and switches and stuff. Um, this is going to turn into me standing for Paul Reed again, but, like, Paul Reed's the same size and the same age and had a much better year and is the same skill set. I, I sort of don't understand how they went 38 picks apart, but... Uh, Achoo is all right. I mean, for the 20th pick, like, yeah, sure. I think I actually had him exactly 20th on my board. Yeah, I would say uh, not having watched as much Reed as you have or as much Achua as you have probably, I liked the pick. I think Achua just has more of a wing skill set. I'm more of a believer in Achua's shooting than Reed's shooting. I'm a, mm-hmm. more of a believer in Achua's ability to move his feet and stay in front of guys than I am for Reed. Clearly, Reed, I think, is the superior help defender, but I think Achua brings some of that as well. Um, you know, I like Achua's athleticism and ability to get out in transition and maybe just dribble a little bit more more if you need to um so i I thought achua should have gone higher especially in this draft that just his phys and i thought reed shouldn't have gone 58th either to be clear but uh just the physical tools that he has and the ability to potentially become who knows where he will be i don't think his feel is great but someone who can shoot it okay who can dunk around the rim who can move his feet put the ball on the floor at least a little bit if there's no one in front of him like that's and just he's one of the best athletes in the draft he's strong like he he's someone that you can credibly put on on Jason Tatum or Pascal Siakam or LeBron James in the finals physically and he's not going to be totally overmatched so I think just hey maybe he doesn't work out maybe his feel just sucks 
But yeah, you know, we saw someone with a similar profile in Jeremy Grant. I think Achua is more skilled than Jeremy Grant at mm -hmm. the same age. And yes, Grant is a player development success story, but the Heat, they fucking develop guys. Yeah. Yeah. So the the biggest thing by far is the offensive decision making. Um, yeah. You know, he actually came up through the ranks as more of a three four. Right. Uh, but would would just shoot the ball every single time he got. Oh yeah. It. I mean, he, it was he was ridiculous. ridiculous at the hoop summit practices. Yeah. These contested yeah. twos that he was trying to take with no separation. It was it was terrible. I agree with you. Uh, let's see. Uh, Blackrook43 asked, can Tyrell Terry be a sufficient replacement for Seth Curry on the Mavs? Yeah, I thought that was kind of a good deal because they they basically drafted the next Seth Curry and then traded the original one for somebody who actually plays defense. So I thought I thought that was a good deal for Dallas and a good deal for Philadelphia. I, I like that for both teams. Uh, Terry, it's a good situation for him because I'm really not sold on his handle or his ability to be like a true point guard at all. But he can shoot it. And I think playing next to Luca, he'll get opportunities to shoot it. And that's a, a situation for him to succeed in. How's his defense? It's okay. Like he he actually, like even though he's small, like he's tough and he fights. Um, he throws his body around and takes charges and stuff. Like he's, he'll probably be just passable enough on that end. Uh, B. Noah, thoughts on the Kennard Shamit 19th pick trade? That was interesting. I liked it uh, from the sense of turning Kennard into the 19th pick in the draft, right? Like, I thought that was definitely a plus move for Detroit in the position they're in, uh, setting aside what they did with pick 16 and 19. Like, I just thought that was a good asset play. Uh, and then from the Clippers' perspective, turning Shamit into Kennard was more interesting because you have to pay Kennard sooner. And so I thought that was an interesting, uh, almost like a challenge trade, right? Where where you're basically saying we'd rather have Luke Kennard this year because we think he's uh, maybe can do a little more on the ball and and give us a little more optionality. Uh, where where Shamit really had to be off the ball, but uh, Shamit, you know, Shamit had another year coming at a very low number, and and Kennard that that out year, you're you're paying him a different amount. So I thought that was that was a tricky one there uh, because of that, and then yeah. And then, so for Brooklyn to turn the um, the nineteenth pick into Shamit and buy two years at a low number there, uh, the other thing that was kind of clever about that is I think they're going to do is a three way deal with uh, with the Bruce Brown trade, and so that way they don't have to actually put another player in to get Shamit out of it. But I mean, they're in win now road mode, right? So like, you turn the nineteenth pick into something that can help you right now with KD and Kyrie, and Shamit's going to feast on open looks with those guys, and he's not going to have to operate as a creator. Uh, you do worry a little defensively about, again, what, what Brooklyn is building there and who's the person who's actually going to guard somebody. Yeah, Bruce Brown. I loved that Bruce Brown trade for them, by the way. Yeah. I mean, Musa, if he becomes something, it's it's down the line. So again, if you're trying to win right now, that trade makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I mean, Brown can, can certainly play a role for them, I, I think. And, and their player development, they've taught some guys to shoot a little bit better. Um, you know, so you mentioned this. I think this would surprise some people, right? Like Luke Kennard viewed as a successful draft pick in the late teens he played three years like he's you know but certainly at least at minimum a quality bench guard we always hear well you know you these late these picks in the late teens if you even get a rotation guy out of them you've done well detroit did that they got a rotation guy out of a pick later well, in the round they, 
And now they're they trading could, him I mean, for another crapshoot. I mean, and, and by the way, to be clear, I agree with you. I think they made the right move. But I think a lot of people would, would be surprised at you saying they did well to get the 19th pick for Kennard, given that logic that I just uh, elucidated there. Well, yeah. I mean, I, especially since they drafted him 12th ahead of Donovan Mitchell, right? So oh, the, right. Yeah, uh, I, for, I forgot he was that early. That's right. I, I forgot about that part. But yeah. The... Uh, yeah, it's weird. I mean, the draft is so right tail dominant uh, that most of the value of any draft ends up concentrated in just a few players. Yeah. So like most of the time when you drive the car off the lot, the value goes down uh, at the draft. And th- th- that's why that's why generally in terms of trades, you're better off trading the pick rather than the player you picked. Uh, you, usually the player you picked is valued a lot less uh, un- unless the player turns out to be awesome, in which case you're not trading them. So it's just one of the quirks of how how the draft works. It's kind of the eighty twenty rule. Yeah, and I think the other aspect of it too is Luke Kennard was about to get expensive. He's going to have demands for a contract of over ten million a year, and I think they just didn't necessarily see him as a starter. He's not really a Troy Weaver type of guy either. You know, Troy Weaver wants a lot of length and athleticism. Luke Kennard is kind of the opposite of that. Let's talk a little bit more about that from the Clippers standpoint, though. I think that they, for what they need. To me, they downgraded from mm-hmm. Shamit to Kennard. I think Shamit's a little bit better defensively. They both are bad. Uh, and but Kennard might be even worse. And yeah, they get some a little more on-ball juice, but why is that useful? They did get off of Magruder, which helps, but they didn't really save any money in the end. Exactly. They open up or they do open up another roster spot, which maybe the, they, they wanted. Um, although Daniel Latoro is not exactly who I'd want to be filling that roster spot, I would say. But um Yeah. Yeah, so so I just I don't really see the fit of Kennard. I always felt he was a guy who can help you maybe get into the playoffs as an offensive shooting guard for a team that doesn't have stars but that he was just going to get murdered once you go up against good teams in the playoffs. So I don't see the fit for him with the Clippers. It's a little bit of a potato-potato trade, right? Like, yeah. what? what's the real difference here? And I... I I mean, I get back to, I'd probably rather have Shamit's lower number guaranteed next year than be in a situation where I have to pay Luke Kennard. Well, Danny suggested maybe this is about having a backup plan if they move Lou Williams. I mean, maybe. I mean, is if you have Kawhi and Paul George, I mean, is Lou Williams that, I mean, was Lou Williams ever that essential anyway i mean it it gave them the luxury of of not having to stagger Kawhi and pg and gave them you know viable bench production for the 20 games that the Kawhi wasn't there but i mean and you saw in a playoff game like i don't know lose <laughs> like Shamit could be just as third wheel as lou was like i, I don't know I, I i thought his value really diminished once the playoffs took him more and more off the ball because Kawhi and pg were, were on the court more often yeah and i, I mean i guess if you're going to compare luke Kennard's defense to lou williams defense then that he actually might defensive player of the year candidate then although right? hilariously i thought lou actually tried more in the playoffs than i ever seen him try i didn't get him much but uh let's see here this is a good one pablo's Sadzilla, better backup center next year, Azubuki or Tony Bradley? Yeah, I thought Tony Bradley came around this year. Um, he actually, he might actually be younger than Azubuki still. Um, the, uh, 
as of week eight, we'll be only like 21. He's actually he's been he was like really young, I think. Oh, right? well, uh, okay. So his oh, I agree go. that his listed age is 21. I, I will I will agree with you on the on the on the on the text, but okay. uh, th- th- there there were doubts about his age when he showed up as an alleged 16 year old at the hoop summit and was like completely filled out and whatever. Um, the Azubuke will be the worst foul shooter in the league. Um, he's huge, though. He, he has um, uh, he'll have almost the longest wingspan in the league. He is a bucket when he can get a deep seal on somebody. Like nobody, nobody can handle him down there. He rebounds. I don't think he's mobile enough to defend on the perimeter at all. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a project for the Spurs uh, and their performance staff to really get him. Uh, the, the mobility wise, yeah, to the level he needs to get to. And I just thought it was weird to use picks 27 and 38 to essentially just cycle out backup centers where, you know, you had an opportunity to do a lot more there. And so you use 38 to send out Tony Bradley and you use 27 to take Azubuike. It's like, I I just had a hard time getting excited about that. I think you're sort of burn, burn those assets. Uh, so Really, really tough for me to see the upside in it. Best case scenario for either of them is that they're playing five minutes in a playoff game when Gobert doesn't play, right? So just just really hard for me to get excited about that set of transactions. Uh, I like Elijah Hughes, though. I'll say that for Utah. Yeah, he's someone I'm not as, as familiar with. I mean, Azubuke, at least to me, allows them to play a little bit more similarly offensively to how they play with Gobert because he's, you know, he's pretty ridiculous around the basket, which Bradley is was not necessarily as far as like going up and getting dunks. Although, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. Bradley did improve. I think it also was just about saving $1.5 million against the tax yeah. this year as well. That was probably part of this. Yeah, I mean, they definitely want to op- keep their options open as far as, you know, Clarkson and the mid-level and whatnot but again putting two draft picks in play just to just to make that transition when i mean because the other i mean you can always find a minimum center i I just i don't know i I just have a really hard time although they tried to find a room exception center last year and it didn't work out (laughs) it did not work out at all that's true Um, that's true they still have ed davis under contract there yeah he's he's one of the more likely players to be traded i i would imagine um yeah grun wizards thoughts on the wizards picking israeli hachimura he Israeli Hachimura. Yeah, I, I, I think that's. I, I think Avdi is better than Hachimura personally, but I think I think Avdi, I think Avdi is better. But there are some there are some traits uh, that are similar in terms of like uh, big forward that a lot of scouts seem to be raving over without a lot of like real hard evidence that that the guy was a super player and. Uh, I'm I'm interested to see what he does over here because he, he he could be better than I thought. Like he he can do some stuff in terms of grab and go, and he has like he has much more feel than Hachimura certainly. Sure. Uh, and you know, in basketball IQ, uh, I question the shooting. I don't think he's going to pop as an athlete, although he does like he's got a little more bounce than say like Dario Saric, who I, I compare him to sometimes. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I'm willing to give Washington the benefit of the doubt on this one, although I still probably at the end of the day would have taken Devin Vassell or Tyrese Halliburton. I think those are much more, much higher degree of certainty that those guys are going to turn into good players. Yeah, I, I think you're right there. I actually likened Avdia to the power forward version of Troy Brown. Little undersized for the position. Shooting is a little bit of a question mark. He's got some ball skills that you like. He, you know, has some 
some defensive tools, but he's not elite. And but like, are you going to put the ball in his hands? And then what is he if you don't put the ball in his yeah. hands? Although I think, as I recall, you actually like Troy Brown more than me. It's been been a while since yeah. we uh, since we talked about like actual teams uh, that weren't in the playoffs. But um, but but I thought it, it's kind kind of a similar concept of just like yeah, he might be a pretty good player, and uh, he's got some skills. I don't know what the elite skill is. I'm not sure how he fits in on a roll. Now that player is more valuable at power forward, particularly if you feel like he can guard down to maybe the two or even the one like he did that a little bit uh, in the euro yeah. league so um you know i, I don't think i is a little bit lower than this for me i second what you're saying about drafting some of the other guys uh but i'm uh i mean i, I like it better than hajimura <laughs> but but, <laughs> but the other go. question is just like what what's happening there now right they got troy brown at the three are they gonna play avdia at the three they're still in theory gonna break the bank for bertans is that like what happens with Hachimura? I mean, no, I don't mind just getting a bunch of players in the mix because they're not all going to work out, but I'm just not sure what the plan is at the three and the four for this season where they're ostensibly trying to win. Yeah, that's an interesting question because I think if they're trying to win, the charity starts for Hachimura have to end. And, uh, but you know, do you play Abdi at the three? Like, I don't, I don't know if he can really shoot it either, but having him at the three might help cover for having Bertans at the four. Maybe you got Troy Brown in there too, as you mentioned, I've never felt like they were totally sold on him. Uh, so I think he probably ends up coming off the bench again. Uh, and and then you still have a you know a mystery at the five. I mean, I think the guy they really wanted was a Kongwu, and and he didn't get to them. Um, okay, we got eight minutes left here. Let's do a lightning round, thirty seconds or less. Let's stick with Washington. Will Washington be thirtieth in defense? I'll take this one. I still think the Cavs are probably the favorites on that until yes. further notice. Although with yes. uh, JB Bickerstaff, he, he might be a better defensive coach. But and we'll see who Cleveland ends up getting and what their big man situation is. Maybe Drummond will help him a little bit but you still think it's probably between the Cavs and the Wizards I'd say it's a two-horse race at this point yeah we'll see how much I Cleveland did at least draft a good defensive player with Isaac Okoro uh at number five might be a little bit of a reach there given his uh more limited offense but he'll help them at the defensive end he'll probably start right away I would think uh are you can take this one you know these guys better best undrafted player Best undrafted player. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, so I think the best undrafted player was Devin Dotson from Kansas, uh, who signed a two-way with the Chicago Bulls. I had him 15th on my board. He was the only guy in my top 40 that went undrafted. Uh, I think there was some questionable stuff on his background, but man, like he has the blazing first step quickness to get by people. And I mean, that at a root level, like that's basketball, right? Like you, you beat your man off the dribble and that opens everything else up. And you know, he played, he was arguably the best player on the best team in the country this year as a sophomore. So I'm, a, I'm really surprised that he slipped all the way out of the draft. Bickrant 50, Patrick Williams didn't start in college and went fourth. Is that worrying? Another commenter noted that he was uh, still fourth highest in minutes per game, but still, you know, was not yeah. a starter for Florida State. Give me 15 seconds. I'll give my 15 seconds. Not that worried because I still thought he was one of their better players. And he was also the youngest collegian in the draft this year. Uh, it's kind of how Florida State works. Uh, they, you know, they have a deep team. They rotate guys in and out. I liked Williams, but I didn't like him this much. I had him 14th on my board. Yeah, I was surprised. that I thought at seven, it made more sense. Four, I thought there were better players available, and I'm worried about his ability to move his feet, as you talked about. I watched some film of him after you and I talked about him a couple weeks ago, and yeah. I, I agree with your assessment there. Yeah, I think he's just going to end up being a straight four at the end of the day. 
Uh, all right, you want to pick one here? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Raptors467 asks, does Giannis sign the Supermax? Gee, Raptors fan, why are you asking about that? Um, all indications are that he will, that he was really happy with the holiday move, although the Bogdanovich move may throw a wrench into this a bit. Uh, it still does seem ultimately like that's the direction it's headed, and you get some smoke signals from other places that... Some of these other teams that had 2021 designs are starting to look in different directions about things they can do. Uh, so I, I would say right now, I'd put it 80-20 that he signs it. One would think so, that that they would not have done that unless they had an assurance that he was going to be extending in some form or fashion. I mean, one thing that occurred to me, going back to the Bogdanovich conversation, I don't think this is right, but it is a possible explanation that maybe Bogdanovich found out that Giannis wasn't actually going to be signing the Supermax but all the reporting has indicated that he still wants to be there and so uh I, yeah. I would imagine that this is more of a outward league thing about him not being able to go there um let's see did something happen is uh hayward opting out have we seen that yet no we still, that's we still have uh another we're coming up on that out, we got right? we got one hour wow they are really taking that down to the deadline uh any chance Giannis signs a two plus one instead of the super Mac? he's gonna be leaving some money on the table doing that especially since the cap rises are not projected to be large so it's interesting because he he gets more control of his destiny with that but he also leaves quite a bit of money on the table i might go ahead and get my super usually the way these players have do it is they go ahead and get the bag and then they you know then if they don't like it later they can worry about forcing themselves out then uh most of these guys have been pretty successful in doing that if they're if they're unhappy enough in a situation so my guess is that he goes ahead and gets the bag Mac Daddy 145. Do you think Atlanta drafted the best player available in Okongwu or made a mistake? I think they did, and they uh, uh, changed course from the mistake they made a year ago, where they went overboard for fit and drafted DeAndre Hunter, who would have fit if he had been the fourth best player in the draft, but he wasn't at all. And I think in this case, I had a Onyeka Okonwu fourth on my board. Uh, I thought he was the best center in the draft. Uh, Nate, I know you disagree a little bit, but yeah, I, th- I think they went best player available for the right reasons. I think you could have argued for Devin Vassell here just because the fit would have been so good. But again, they would have been drafting purely for fit. And I thought they the thing with Atlanta here is that you're still building what you're going to be. And you don't really know a year from now how you're going to feel about John Collins or Clint Capella. And in the meantime, you have the ability to use this cap space to fill in your weaknesses at the two and three. And maybe, you know, overpay somebody on a one-year deal if you want or whatever. But there's no reason to do... There's no reason to do what Minnesota did, basically, right? If, if you're Atlanta. So you needed to take the best player available. I think Okongu was the best player available. And so I think that was the right pick. Yeah, I think it's six. It's it's perfectly reasonable. They got rid of Deadman, so he's going to play this year. Uh, and if he works out, it's a good pick. If that's if that's the guy that you had there. And, you know, Clint Capella, I know he's under contract for a while still here. But he's, you know, Trey Young is, in theory, going to be there for another seven years. And that's only three years yeah. for Capella. And Capella is going to play. Play 25 minutes a game he needs a backup as well they have to get better defensively particularly in the long term maybe they believe that okongu can be a all defense type of player reading the tea leaves here with two minutes left do you think this means anything for the future of john collins possibly yeah um 
I think John Collins is going to be a name that's out there until the ink is dry on an extension because I think the Hawks like him, but I'm just not sure they love him. And so it's going to be interesting to see if there's a number they both can agree on this offseason or not. And then is there a play for Atlanta where they say, you know what, we have a Congo and Capella. We'll trade John Collins for a three. And may, you know, maybe that situation comes up and maybe it doesn't. Um, here, we'll finish up on this. What makes Kyra Lewis not close to a De'Aaron Fox or Mike Conley level of prospect? Wow. Uh, well, Mike Conley is the best dude ever, first of all. So that that automatically uh, gives him an advantage. But more, more seriously, uh, I really like Kyra Lewis. I... Uh, I think what what stood out stood out to me a little bit like he's definitely fast. I don't know if he had quite the jets that Fox and Conley yeah. uh, did. Um, like I would say, like the fastest guy in this draft is it Lewis or is it Dotson? Like I'm I'm not sure. Whereas Fox and Conley were pretty obviously the fastest guys in their draft. Uh, yeah, I was not sh- blown away by the speed of Lewis. I think he's a, he's a good NBA athlete because yeah, yeah, because it's more straight lined like open court speed, but it's not blast off quickness from a stop that it, that he necessarily has. Uh, yeah, I I liked the pick. I think he's a good player, but I think he's I think he projects more to me as like a guy who's a starter in a few years rather right. than like Fox and Conley or you know uh, well Conley's a should have been all star and Fox will probably make an all-star team at some point all right well that will do it for today thank you so much for joining us again on twitch we will not be going live on twitch next week because it's thanksgiving so we're uh gonna take a little little bit of time off do a a zoom thanksgiving (laughs) with our families (laughs) or whatever all right um and stick around though i'm sure we'll have plenty more coverage i mean we're gonna all of our season preview stuff we've less than a month to get all this all this shit man it's unbelievable yeah season preview yeah kick it right in next week goodness gracious yeah i'm going on vacation like the day after the season starts at this rate yeah totally <laughs> watch i'll be there to watch you. actual basketball crazy. <laughs> uh, all right well at least you know it was so relaxing with the four months of no basketball right like those just staying at home and having a great time no, nothing to stress out about it was great <laughs> Uh, all right, I'm losing it here. We'll uh, yeah. we'll be back in two weeks on Twitch here. We'll talk to you then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.